The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. How is it just a couple of decades ago we could never have imagined our race to socialism, leftist thought, atheism in the public square? How do we arrive at such a point, especially so quickly? We're fresh from the hills of something just the opposite to going down the road that we know is failure. We know it so, not by idealism, our philosophies, but we saw what happened to Russia. We saw what happened to Germany. And we're seeing in the present what's happened to other nations. Europe is bankrupt. We don't have blindness in looking if we look with some kind of thoughtfulness of where we're headed. The question is, and that is the most important question, is why are we headed this direction when many people do see this? 
even those who are the beneficiaries of it. You think they're going to turn away a free cell phone? They're going to turn away an average of $34,000 or $36,000? The average benefit from the government of aid that they received could be 42000 the average is thirty between thirty four and thirty six thousand. The average wage for the working person is twenty eight thousand. You think that they know they're not getting all this stuff and things and benefits, and that's not completely right. The conscience knows that, but they kill the conscience conveniently. It's against the scriptures. It's against the church's teachings. To be on this system, 47% of our people in this nation, to be receiving such benefits. It's a privileged class. When they're being taught and they're promoting, and they don't believe it, unless they have a dead conscience, that the people that are of the other side is the privileged class. They have this or they have that. Everything today in this world is reversed. What's right is wrong and what's wrong is right. And many don't know how to defend it. Much less see it. But the question posed is how do we arrive at this point? How do we get the things so messed up like this? One word, sin. And then added to that, we can say our sin. There's class warfare growing. There's a hatred toward those who are productive. They're seen as a privileged class. The oppressors of the underside. And they all voice and pipe the tune knowing that if they're victims... They'll get more funding. They're fueled for that. The powers that be gain their power through these people. And they're in sin. Because many of them could be doing something or could be working. Remember, it was Obama who, during the election, racing toward the presidency, who erased and undid, I'm thinking, my memory is it was undone through an executive order, that there was no more requirement for welfare, that you had to work for it. Because was, there was work welfare. That if you're on it, then you're going to have to be productive. You're going to have to be on the side of the highway doing something. There was some kind of requirement. You can Google and look it up. But you don't have to. We all know that, what it is. And we look upon this as part of the way of life today. This is our end. Tobit, when he grew older, was told about the fall of Jerusalem and how the brethren would be scattered across the earth. How Nineveh, the prophet Jonah, came to him, speaking about Nineveh, to, rather to Nineveh, and it would be overthrown. But that where Tobit was, that media that they would have a time of peace. We're in a time of peace, a peace right now. But destruction is written everywhere. 
And he goes on and says that media will experience this time of peace. But the brethren will be scattered over the earth from the good land. And Jerusalem will be desolate. Can we not see the writing on the wall for our own nation and for the whole world? You see not this? Then you're an ostrich. It's head in the, in the ground. To hide itself from the fear of thinking. It can't see anything. We were with the boys walking up over the mountain the other day. And way up in a big giant tree, we saw a raccoon. And the raccoon saw us, and we saw it. And he was probably 45 feet up in there, way up there. You know what he did? He put his head down and covered his eyes up. Then he couldn't see us. Maybe he's hidden. A ploy by him in nature, thinking if I don't see them, they can't see me. We're all laughing. Because we've seen this before. They typically do this. Is that what you're doing? Cover your eyes up. Give me my entertainment tonight. I'm not going to look at everything else. And then nobody will notice. I won't notice, so it must not be bad. Things are bad. How bad? 31 years of daily apparitions. That's bad. Never in church history. That's bad. And he's coming for the last apparitions on earth. That's a bad sign. Why? Because if we were healthy, Our Lady wouldn't be coming. There's a good aspect of it, the last apparitions on earth. It's because the visionaries have said, we'll not need anything else for salvation. But it's our report card. It's our temperature. It's our thermometer. We're in high fever. Also, the book of Tobit talks about this. The Jerusalem would be ransacked. People would be run off, held in captivity. But God would rebuild that. And it says, Then all the Gentiles will turn in fear of the Lord in truth. That's what I keep saying. Come to the truth. Pray to be illuminated. We just heard this from a lady. Uh, actually, February 2nd. I will be beside you. Beside you in what? During the tribulation. I will, I will implore the Heavenly Father for the light of eternal truth and love to illuminate you. We need to be illuminated. We don't see these things, how wrong it is for half this nation to be on welfare. It's wrong. It's not social justice. It's social justice. Don't buy into the lie. This has come from liberation theology. It's gotten into the church. And the church has really helped promote this. It's wrong. Dead, dead wrong. The virtues of Christianity teaches you work for your keep. The apostle says, even when I was amongst you, I work for my keep. So we got slothfulness. We got laziness. We got do do gooders doing nothing good. The nuns, when they had habits, many of them, and there's some good nuns, and none of those good people out there doesn't have habits. But in a time when we had that, they were always viewed as very uh, efficient. Cleanliness is next to godliness. Tidying things up. Always making sure everything's in order. They represented order because God in your heart brings order to your surroundings. Your house is a mess. Mess, that's some kind of disorder. 
We have to look at these things and understand this. But we're in sin, everybody. And we're the first to be guilty because we know about sin. The sinners don't. Yes, they're guilty. But they propagate. They prevail over us because of our sins. If we're going to clean that up, how do we do it? Tobit says something incredible. That when evil overtakes you, to do good and evil will not overtake you. Tobit says, prayer is good when accompanied by fasting and almsgiving and righteousness. A little with righteousness is better than much with wrongdoing. It's saying almsgiving with righteousness is better with just a little good than doing a lot of almsgiving with wrong. It goes on, it says, It is better to give alms than to treasure up gold, for almsgiving delivers from death, and it will purge away every sin. Can you imagine that? Alms is actually better than fasting and prayer. Do you give alms? Oh, people go to confession, they'll do this, they'll do that. But the main thing in Lent is almsgiving. You're not giving alms. You're hurting your own future. Then the Gentiles will turn to fear of the Lord in truth and will bury their idols. We have so many idols to bury in this culture today. That even all the alms given in the world is not going to have any amount because we give alms with a little wrong. And in this case, with much wrong. But you can have a little righteousness with almsgiving, and that's going to surpass prayer and fasting. And there's a lady who said, through prayer and fasting, wars can be stopped. Profound stuff. And yet we're racing to a culture based in socialism. This comes from the book, The Politics of Bad Faith by David Harowitz, and he writes, Back in 1922... Ludwig von Mises wrote a 500-page treatise predicting that socialism would not work. Socialist theorists, he wrote, had failed to recognize basic economic realities that would eventually bankrupt the future they were creating. These included the indispensability of markets for allocating resources and of private property for providing the incentives that drive the engines of social wealth. Moreover, socialists showed no inclination to take seriously the problems their schemes created. Without troubling about the fact that they had not succeeded in disproving the assertion of the liberal school that productivity under socialism would sink so low that want and poverty would be general, socialist writers began to promulgate fantastic assertions about the increase in productivity to be expected under socialism. As close as any analysis could, von Mises' warning anticipated the next 70 years of socialist history. Under the Soviet Union's central plans, the Kremlin rulers were indeed unable to allocate resources rationally or to promote technological innovation 
or to replace the profit motive with a viable system of non-monetary social incentives. As a result, the socialist economy was unable to keep abreast of the technological changes that would catapult the West into the post-industrial era. The socialist economy could not even create sufficient growth to feed its own people. Once the breadbasket of Europe, Soviet Russia under socialist planning became a chronic importer of grain, an economy of forced rationing and periodic famine. The effect of socialist order was exactly as von Mises had predicted, the generalization of poverty and the crippling of productivity so that Russia was unable to enter the information age and compete economically with the West. Although history has dramatically confirmed von Mises' analysis and just as dramatically refuted his left-wing opponents, his intellectual contributions are as unrecognized today as they were before the communist fall. While the intellectual tradition that gave rise to von Mises' insights is marginalized in American universities and its paradigm ignored, Marxism and its variants flourish. The profusion of Marxists on university faculties today is unprecedented. While the theories that Marxism has spawned now provide the principal texts for the next generations. Von Mises's writings are invisible, but the works of Stalinists, ignorant of the most basic economic realities of how modern societies function, are familiar to most undergraduates. In the humanities and social sciences, the discredited tradition of Marxism has become the intellectual wellspring of the main schools of current academic theory. The comparable schools of conservative and libertarian thought hardly exist within university walls. Look at the Ivy League schools. Look at all the universities, these columns, these great buildings. Years from now, covered up with growth, overrun, the decadence they've produced, they inherit the consequences. They will go away. They cannot last because Sodom didn't last. And what it was doing physically, they're doing to the mind of the youth. Sinful, depraved, unspeakable decadence, what they teach. Oh, they teach good things, you say, you think. Are you like the raccoon in the tree? Hiding your eyes? You not know the communists didn't want to teach communism to everybody in a movie? Or rather, communism did not want to teach a full communist movie? The maximum they wanted, the minimum they wanted, was 5% of the movie. Give us just 5% of the communist line in, the, in Hollywood. That's all they're after. Just give us just enough in the universities to pollute the values of the youth, of what they bring with them, to alter them just a little bit, just to be more open, to be more metropolitan to different lifestyles. That's all. You don't even have to do it. Just be open to it. Because at least by being open, you'll be tolerant. 
At least by being tolerant, we'll get your children later if we can't get you. Through your tolerating, the very basis of Christianity is intolerance. Love everybody, but intolerant to sin. And we have it prevailing because we're tolerant. Socialism is crippling to productivity. Our Lady ways increase productivity. She teaches thrift. She teaches in our way of life to be efficient, to be productive, to not be given everything on a platter to yourself and do nothing in return, to be constantly giving of oneself. She demands that. She says, you know the beauty of those who continually give themselves to me. Socialism is just the opposite. It's the devil's plan. And many are enticed by its temporary benefits and the virtuous ways of life. So we wonder why our nation is in trouble. We can name these things. We can say these things. We can read these. But me, you, until we change our life, and we take it seriously, fund this mission, almsgiving, Prayer is good when accompanied by fasting, almsgiving, and righteousness. A little with righteousness is better with much with, uh, is better than much with wrongdoing. It is better to give alms than a store of gold. You get gold by giving. There's so much we need to be doing at this moment with this mission. We're not reaching. We're not turning people away from these things just because you can take this benefit or you can do that. Do you take it? No, you become the one that gives. And then you can determine who you need to help and who needs help in an authentic way. We're not advocating you don't help. The whole basis, ask this question to yourself. Why do we have Obamacare? Why do we have this health socialist thing that's going to control everybody and what they do, see, hear, and read, everything, every aspect of life, every part of the culture? was it to give health insurance or health care. It's going to be less of it. It's a proven fact. Everybody sees this coming. It'll be death panels. There's not enough to go around. Okay, you're 70 years old. We'll give it to the 40-year-old. You can't have it. You die. It's already happening. We're already hearing horror stories. Get ready. But the real question has to be asked, why do we get this judgment against us? Because this health care thing is a judgment against us. And we've been talking about profit. We've been talking about being productive. But also that comes with that. The pharmaceutical, the whole industry, the whole medical thing, is there not errors in it? Is the judgment because there's something wrong in the medical field when it's production operations? Everything's about money, how much money you can make. You got somebody going to the hospital for a month, you got a million dollar bill if you're in intensive care. Something is wrong with the system. And when sin enters it, when greed enters it, when it's not doing what it's supposed to be doing, it gets judgment cast against it. So the first place to look at healthcare and fixing this situation that Obama's using for bad reasons. He's got a bad agenda. Agenda. He is an enemy to Christianity, but he's an Assyrian. Like Israel was risen up, or rather, just like God rose up the Assyrians over Israel to punish them. He's our punishment. The health care is a punishment. Don't look at it nothing other than that. 
Only righteousness, living the commandments, can correct that. So that's the first thing you look at to remedy the problem, because it's bad stuff, very bad stuff. It's cultural death that's going to promote it. But there again, half the Christians are having a divorce. There's a consequence to that. There's some bad elements and greed in the medical profession. It's just gotten more and more expensive, higher and higher, more and more profit. And profit is not wrong. It's when everything's manipulated to make the profit. Everything's cheated on to make that. The weights and measures are crooked. And God comes back and visits that. And healthcare is a visit to that. Frank? Yeah, the, the welfare system is likened to a, to a story that the powers to be use this to take over an empire. And the, the story was about a man that bought some land that was deemed worthless because it was overrun with hogs. And everyone said, there's nothing that you can do about it. And so he started feeding them. And they built a fence in the back. And he continued to feed him, and he built some fences on the side. And he continued to feed him until he built a partial fence in front with a gate on it. And they were so used to being fed that they just happily walked right in. They'd forgotten how to hunt. And he closed the gate, and they had all the wild boars, and it took care of his, his problem. And so this is what the welfare system is. It's just to entrap and to ship the jobs overseas to destroy. The Bible says, Fallen, fallen is Babylon. Come out of her wanton ways. And we have to come out of this system. 99% of the silver that's sold is paper. So if $100 million goes into, into silver this month, a million will go into physical. 99 million will go into paper. It's not real. And when the system, the system's ills are realized, all the paper's going to go away. It doesn't matter what you're invested in. It's come out of the mindset of numbers. Come out of the mindset of hoarding. Almsgiving is more important than a hoard of silver. A little bit of silver is going to be probably wealth when no one else has it has anything because 401ks are gone iris are gone the paper system is gone in one hour their wealth was brought to nothing so it is very important that this opportunity is a grace people call and ask me you know why why is the you know price still low it's a grace it's a grace for our ladies' little children, for you to take advantage of, get out of the system completely. Absolutely. We don't need it. It's part of, of what Joe, uh, Tobit said, that for media, the city, there will be peace for a time. And we see that. Where our lady's here, for, she's given us peace. And our lady's going to lead us through what's coming, through the, the secrets being released. And then our lady's going to bring us back to peace. You know, it's the sin, suffering, salvation. It's the same thing about the storms always coming at you. You're in the middle of one or one's, or you're in the sunshine. So we're always, that's what you need to evaluate. And we, we're, it's definitely, 
in a storm, and a big one's coming behind that one. So we're just getting the very front of the first blowing winds, but we're, it's at our door. And and you're 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 the raccoon in the tree. You're the ostrich in the head in the sand. If you think, well, I'll just wait for my four hundred one k. I can't say if you still won't have it five years from now. I don't think you will. But what I can say is if you take it, you're going to have something. And if you keep holding on to these things, you're going to have nothing in the end. Or if you're going to save it in dollars, you're going to save it in the stock market, you're going to do these things. You've got to turn it into physical, intrinsic wealth or value if you don't want to see it as wealth because it's some of your need. The intrinsic value is silver. There's no way value can be taken from that. It's made so by God, by its rarity. Gold even more so. Gold, though, is not the means of exchange. Silver always has been biblically the means of exchange. We reasoned that out. I thought about that. I wrote, ain't going to happen. You need to read the book to understand it more clearly. You need to reread it if you already read it. To grasp why hold any amount of funds other than into physical silver. Thereby reasoning out, what can we do since we have to have some kind of means of exchange and something happens, the means of exchange is going to be first food because food will be invaluable. But then stability comes after that. Or even before that, to preserve what you have that you can keep silver or keep something, you put it in silver. I I came up with the the Medjugorje, Maracas Medjugorje round. So that the means of what you have in holding your value, your labor, what you've labored for, your work, your your selling of property or whatever it may be or whatever you inherited, the means of holding it would be into something that has an intrinsic value, but also spiritually an intrinsic value. The miraculous metal has intrinsic value made so by Our Lady given to St. Catherine and Rudabach. So why would you want a silver bar? Why would you just want silver if you can have the miracles metal on it and have a dual purpose that it could bring conversion for those who will have it once you exchange it? And it's easy to exchange. Why? Because it has intrinsic value. You can go anywhere and people will take silver. They'll engage as a company in Texas. There's other places that take it. And they'll pay you either spot. And once it goes up, if it doubles, if it triples... It's a hedge against inflation. Right now it's not because they are selling paper because they do not want it, the powers that be, for this to go up. But it won't last forever. And it's the safest place to be. Frank, what's going on in silver right now? Well, it's just uh, we get into these long consolidated periods, but um, the thing about silver is you won't know until it happens. So uh, it's certainly being defended desperately. And at any moment, you take these 100-to-1 paper sellers, if there's something to cause them panic, and a, and a quick price rise can cause them panic, you know where all the buyers are going to come for physical silver. They're first going to come out of paper silver, then they're going to come out of gold. And um, and if everything falls... Well, come out of the paper gold, not, not sil- gold itself or silver itself. Well, <laughs> silver's an infinitely... Uh, well... It's a tremendously better value than gold. because. But you said come out of silver. You mean come out of the paper. They won't, they're going to want to take physical and, possession. 
Absolutely. Okay. And they're going to and they're going to want to take their physical gold and they're going to say, "We can get fifty ounces of silver. There's no natural reason for this. Silver is being consumed and becoming more rare to gold every day." So gold buyers eventually are going to wake up and say, "We can get forty to one. We can get thirty to one. Whatever the number is, um, until that number becomes ten to one. Some say five to one. I personally think one to one. Um, silver is more rare than gold in inventory." And it'll be more rare than gold, absolutely, because of how it's how it's needed in industry. So um, you don't don't get lulled by the price action. It has absolutely nothing to do with reality. Nothing's real, as we said last week. A pre eighty two penny's worth more than a dime, and nickels are worth more than dimes. They're remnants of real money. Why do we even have coins? It makes no sense. Nothing is real. You have to get out of the paper fantasy world into God's real system. In okay. The, Frank, okay, tomorrow the dollar collapses. Okay. You have 1,000 ounces of silver. You have people that have no doubt how many billions of ounces of silver in paper. And they go to cash that paper in. What happens to your 1,000 ounces as far as the $32 value it is right now on the spot? And why? Well, it could be it could be as much as a hundred times is valuable because when when all this um, fractional reserve banking and all these these uh, money created out of debt, it appears that things are cheap. You know, some land is at depressed levels, and and what you can get now because of how it's stretched will, will be seen as unbelievable. Nobody will have a have a thousand ounces that didn't get it now. It'll be wealth. Um, it always has been. So, a thousand ounces is basically thirty thirty-four thousand dollars or so. So you have that, and then somebody calls you, to collapse, and say, "I've got money. I want, I want to buy your thousand ounces," and you say no, and then somebody else calls, and they, you say no, and everybody's holding silver says no at that price. I mean, where, where is it going to go to? So for, them, for them to move you to sell that thousand ounces, how much are we going to be? We're going to look, you're saying we could be looking at a hundred times even more before you let go of that silver purchasing power because they don't have money. They can say they have they have Federal Reserve notes, but by that time it's too late. You're going to have to give something physical for something physical. Nobody's going to take paper for it, not billions. So you can say then I'll take. I'll give you one ounce of silver for five acres of land or one acre of land. That's right. And that's that's not an unbelievable thought, correct? Absolutely not. It, it is too rare, and when it goes from a few people getting it to the whole world needing it, it it's its price will be, it, it's, its value and its purchasing power will be real. And it's not right now. And this is my point I'm trying to make, make it full circle now, is that the dollar won't have value. So why are you going to even take 100 times more of it? You're going to say, no, I want, I want land, or I want food in that case, which food is going to be worth more on an immediate collapse. Uh, the, the thing is, is what we speak mostly of those pre-collapse is at least to be holding your silver in there. If it goes up, you're going to have hopefully or maybe some time to get into your land because the land is what I've always said repeatedly. 
the best thing to do is get your food from your ground to your mouth and get in that position and that stability as quick as possible. Don't delay. Act on this immediately. You can't sit there and hide your eyes thinking everything's going to go away. I won't tell you that our kids start picking up rocks and throwing out the raccoon. You know, because we're not supposed to be doing that, supposedly, from some people's eyes, but they, of course, couldn't reach it, and it was just fun. And, but what is it going to be throwing at you when that happens? You think you're going to be hidden? You think something's not going to hit you? You can't hide this from yourself by not seeing it. It's there. It's black and white. It's clear. Frank, give your contact information if they need to discuss this further with you. Okay, you can call us uh, toll-free. 877-936-7686. You can reach us online uh, or by email at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com. And our website is globalsilverinvestors.com. And if someone else answers and you need to talk to me, just uh, tell them to have uh, Frank call you, and I'll call you uh, as soon as possible if I'm not in the office when you call. Socialism is crippling. Why? Because it's judgment against us. God will protect us from things when we live the way we're supposed to do. Our Lady's way is a way of production, a way of productivity, a way of bringing life to the virtues of the Ten Commandments and God's statutes. All this is intertwined. That's what Imaginomics is about. Help you see these things and see things in a new light for future. We wish you, Our Lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.